This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. We are extremely worried about the situation. Kusti Saum is Permanent Secretary of Estonia's Ministry of Defense. Estonia shares a 182-mile border with Russia. They've done battle with Russia before, and they're very concerned about what's happening to Ukraine, a much larger country. And he believes Russia may have some other ideas that Ukraine may not be the real target. Uh, And frankly speaking, it has very little to do with Ukraine. It has mainly to do with NATO. They want to push the borders back uh, as it was basically after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render a huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On our last episode, we promised you a look at what's taking place in North Korea. Unfortunately, we can't do that because the situation in Ukraine has taken on a much more urgent tone, if that is even possible. Russian warships are headed to locations in the Black Sea to take part in, quote, pre-planned military exercises, end quote. But there's growing concern that Russia's trying to trick Ukraine and the West into thinking it's interested in a diplomatic solution. In the meantime, it's launched what some of my military friends are calling a strategic feint, a mock attack or a movement designed to distract an adversary while attacking some other target. The question right now is if the Ukraine buildup is a distraction, what's the real target? We don't know, but on this episode, this theory gets a big boost from Kusti Salm. He's the permanent secretary of Estonia's Ministry of Defense. Estonia shares a 182-mile border with Russia. We spoke this morning, and the news from his perspective was not very good. Mr. Secretary, would you please tell us at this point how Estonia is preparing or dealing with the current tensions that are unfolding on Ukraine's borders Mm -hmm. um, that have been precipitated by the Russian aggression that we've seen unfolding for eight years now? Uh, Yes, thanks for the question. Um, We are extremely uh, worried about the situation. It's... uh, uh, the worst security situation uh, in Europe in the last 30 years. There are some analysts who say that it's uh, the last 70 years since the Second World War, uh, and we are extremely worried about this. Um, how this situation uh, should be tackled and is tackled is through uh, um, multinational consensus within NATO, within EU, across the ocean. We need to make sure that we stand firm Uh, We stand for our values, we stand for freedom, we stand for democracy, uh, and uh, we are standing this not only in our words, but also in our deeds. 
And I think this is um, something that is playing out quite well. Uh, we all had some level of anxiety at the beginning of December when the crisis started to unfold. Uh, but now it has been a massive group therapy among the, all the allies. And um, I think uh, the consensus is that uh, collective defense holds. We are value-based alliance and uh, we are very strong in radiating these uh, values out. The second clearly is supporting Ukraine. Uh, we have uh, spoken to them. We do it uh, daily, basically. Uh, they, you know, feel all the political support, but what they need is weapons and ammunition. Um, we have given it to them. We have uh, donated them the Javelin anti-tank missiles um, and another you know, pieces of equipment. Uh, and, and the same has been done by our Baltic allies, by UK, by US, and several others. Um, it's important because it uh, helps them to prepare, it uh, buys time, and it, uh, it it has a pure deterrent value that has a, the highest conversion rate uh, for, that you can buy from every, every dollar. And the uh, third avenue for us clearly is uh, answer to the question, what do we do domestically? And um, clearly the uh, answer is that we need to do more on our own. And I think the best manifest of this is the fact that uh, three weeks ago, our government decided to make an extra 1% of GDP worth uh, injection to our um, defense budget. 1% um, of GDP, just to put it on the US uh, equivalent scale, uh, would be around 200 billion US dollars. So in our terms, it's uh, quite a lot of money. And we have already decided that every single cent of this will go into replenishing our uh, wartime ammunition stocks. So, um, you again, to put it very frankly and honestly, so that we would have more anti-tank missiles than Russians have tanks, that we would have more anti-armor um, ammunition than uh, Russians have trucks, and, um, and for the rest of the inventory. So, just to make ourselves feel comfortable and uh, confident and uh, stand strong. One of the things that uh, is very important right now is that despite the diplomatic efforts that, that have been going on for the last weeks, and certainly this week, um, French President Macron was in uh, Russia talking with Russian President Vladimir Putin and then went to Ukraine and spoke with uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. And uh, President Macron said that he got the understanding that Russia was willing to de-escalate and willing to perhaps even take those 30,000 troops that are in Belarus back to Russia at the end of the month. Uh, Russia jumped in and said they didn't agree to do anything like that. We also know that there are some Russian warships moving into the Black Sea area. Um, what's your sense of what Russia is really going to do or planning to do or doing right now as it, really, as it relates to de-escalation of the situation from a military point of view? Mm -hmm. Well, there are no signs that there, there, are, there is any de-escalation going on. That's, that, that's clear. It's uh, quite right, the opposite. Um, Russia is acting opportunistic. He plays several cards at the same time. He has a diplomatic front open. He has military front open. 
he has hybrid fronts op open all around Europe. The uh, the security crisis isn't the the biggest crisis in Europe right now. It's the energy crisis that is the highest. And the uh, short shortage of uh, gas, the electricity prices, they have all spiked uh, by the factor of three or four. So this is the number one uh, crisis in uh, most most of the Europe right now. Um, well, secondly, uh, they are also playing cards in Africa, in Mali, in Burkina Faso, and so forth. So they are creating these strategic dilemmas for each and every Western government. And uh, I guess they are just waiting for, for the hand that pays off the most. So I think there is pretty good clarity what they want to do, and they haven't really made a secret out of this. Uh, their demands, there is no ambivalence in this. They want to recreate the uh, European security architecture. Uh, and frankly speaking, it has very little to do with Ukraine. It has mainly to do with NATO. They want to push the borders back uh, as it was basically after the collapse of the Soviet Union, which is which would have a traumatic, catastrophic events for uh, for uh, Europe, um, and then particularly for Estonia and other Baltic states. And it's not only the security sort of arrangements that needs to be pushed back. It's also the prosperity, democracy, and all this that will go back with this uh, as well. So th that is something that makes it so undigestible for us. When we speak about diplomatic efforts, then um, you know, speaking about peace um, makes it sound very noble but it also makes it sound very shallow at the same time because everyone wants peace that's clear there is no disagreement there i'm sure that russians want peace as well uh, the challenge that we have is that how the western unity and western efforts make the price for russia so high uh, that they decide not to attack what is the point where russians see that their military escalation in ukraine or some other place will lead to significantly higher cost than they could potentially win in Ukraine. That is the question. And uh, as it seems now, we haven't really reached this price point yet. Uh, Mr. Secretary, it seems as though what I'm hearing you say, as bad as a situation in Ukraine is, that's just a symptom of a larger problem that spreads across Europe, down into Africa, and perhaps into other parts of the world as a part of Russia's global strategy. Is, is that what I'm hearing you say? And if that is indeed correct, then what do, what's, the, what's, what's the military solution to that? Or is there a military solution? Or, or what would the solution at all be? Um, well, definitely there is a military solution. And, uh, and it, it isn't a new solution. There, it it's was a common practice only 30 years ago. Uh, the how the security architecture was built up 30 years ago, how the military schools, the full institutes in in U.S. were were teaching people and how to build up deterrence, how this would work, and how the uh, deterrence and force posture would eventually create stability. And this is what we need to aim for. Um, uh, and, uh, and and this is how the balance will equally um, how the balance in security will end up in uh, sort of equality uh, and, and with the same price point uh, that uh, we radiate out that uh, any military action would mean significantly higher costs uh, than the potential gains would be. Uh, 
what it what it would mean in practice in Europe. Um, it would mean uh, more posture to Eastern Europe. Uh, there is Russian narrative that somehow says that uh, Russia is floating to the uh, dangerously close to Russia or whatever. This is uh, utter nonsense. If if we look at the force posture of Russia, then only in the Western military district they have 215,000 215, uh, troops under arms. They have uh, around 2,000 tanks and, and the hundreds of rocket artillery uh, and uh, 108 um, Iskander surface-to-surface missile batteries uh, only in Western military district. And I'm not counting the naval and air assets here. And they all surpass um, Western military posture by the factor of 10. So it's um, to, to speak about some sort of imbalance in the favor of NATO, then it's, it's just mathematically, uh, militarily untrue. Um, and uh, this is what we, we need to follow, that uh, the, the more credible our posture is, uh, the higher likelihood is that there will be military escalation. This is how it has worked, uh, not, not throughout the Cold War, this is how it has worked throughout the human history. So then just back to that question about Ukraine, do you believe that what's happening in Ukraine is just a symptom of a larger problem, just for a brief answer? Uh, clearly, yes. Okay. Um, so the U.S. has sent uh, some uh, Air Force assets to Estonia to help um, do what Estonia needs to do. You said Estonia needs to do its part. I spoke to Mr. Christian Mai a bit earlier in the week, and he echoed your sentiments, the head of NATO and the EU uh, at the uh, division, at the uh, Ministry of Defense. So what else can the West and the U.S. specifically and Estonia's allies do in this current situation to push back uh, Russian aggression? Uh, and how do you plan to engage Russia's potential aggression against Ukraine in the near future or against Estonia in the near future? Why is allied presence and um, U.S. presence needed? is uh, the same deterrent factor. We need to create some sort of automatism uh, for Russian military planners that would indicate that if there will be military action against Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, or some other NATO member state, then it won't only be the national forces who will be there, but there also will be allied forces. The collective defense will be put into practice. And, and clearly, currently we have a one uh, British-led battalion in Estonia. It's called Enhanced Forward Presence. Uh, and this is part of this deterrence. But clearly, we are not naive enough to think that one battalion will somehow deter the second largest nuclear nation in the world. Um, the deterrent factor there is the tripwire effect, meaning that if there will be military incursion, then from the first second, uh, the NATO forces will be involved. And if the NATO forces will be uh, involved, then there are no government in NATO, who would leave their forces alone in the, in the battlefield. And if we will be able to create a um, scenario, or there will be a, a visible showcase uh, that uh, the US forces uh, will be part of this equation, that they are anyway, but that they would be permanently part of this, 
then it would um, send a signal that um, uh, the price tag uh, for military conflict will immediately escalate into the sky. Uh, and it will immediately escalate to the, well, basically the, uh, the NATO against the Russia war, not, not some sort of isolated, frozen, whatever, soft surface conflict in, in Eastern Europe. And this is what we need to showcase. And if we are, uh, if we are successful in it, then there will be no conflict. That's, it's actually, the formula is extremely easy. Do you get the sense that Russia may be waiting until the end of the Olympics to launch some type of attack against Ukraine? Or um, is that still unknown? Or do you believe that's not fixed yet? Or maybe they haven't made that decision yet? What do you think? Well, we are all dealing with this question and we are all suspect you you as well are reading all the articles. And, uh, you know, for me, it eventually looks like some sort of fantasy football that uh, we're all making our bets and uh, then hoping they will get right or wrong. But the bottom line of this is that um, the likelihood that there will be some sort of uh, military incursion is uh, way higher than uh, bearable threshold. It's way higher than the likelihood that there won't be any. And clearly the trigger that uh, it should sort of trigger in our heads is uh, what should we do about this? And I think in that front, we are getting things right. There is, there has, I, I have never seen that intense diplomatic efforts, uh, uh, never. Uh, there is concrete support to Ukraine. Every single day works in favor of, uh, of Ukraine and West. They consolidate their efforts, they consolidate their power. Uh, West also consolidates our unity, our resolve. Uh, and um, the more we can do it, the, the, the lower is the intent. The only I would say a pity, or let's say the backdrop of this fantasy sort of football thing is that if there won't be any conflict, then we don't, we never know whether it was because they decided not to do it or it was because of our efforts. That's very interesting. Uh, final thing here. Um, Mr. Rybakov, the, uh, Deputy Foreign Minister for Russia said earlier today that he believed that um, the U.S. and the West and, of course, Ukraine are using, quote, blackmail um, in its de-escalation efforts and accuses all of you of uh, catering to an incompetent audience uh, and says that this is all a provocation. This seems to me to be another attempt to justify attacking Ukraine uh, by creating some kind of false pretext. What do you make of that? And um, is that something you're even concerned about? You know, there is a good side of this thing and there's also a, a negative or bad side. And the good side is that uh, the way the conflict escalates in Ukraine is, is a textbook example. Uh, there needs to be three elements of, uh, of threat. There is the intent, capabilities and opportunity. Well, with intent, there is no ambivalence. They have made it very clear. With capabilities, it's also very, very clear that they have brought all the assets uh, across the border and they are ready to attack. The only thing missing in the, from the equation is the opportunity, the context, the setting that would explain the attack uh, for uh, West, 
for Ukrainians and also for Russian domestic audience. And this needs to make sense. This needs to be plausible. This need, needs to be something that uh, is, you know, second and the third question proof. And, uh, well, probably this is the only thing that is missing from, from the equation. Um, and the bad thing is that, um, uh, well, the first thing was also a very bad thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> very few good things in this whole process. The good thing was that it actually, there, there's a predictability in this. And uh, it, um, it works as, uh, as a textbook example. Well, Mr. Kusti Sam, thank you so much for your time. As always, I know it's been a long day. It's big time difference between there and Washington. I appreciate you uh, taking time to engage with us on this very important topic. Last thing I'll ask, is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? No, not really. I think you're, you're following the, the topic quite closely and you covered all the important, important questions. Um, and, uh, you know, happy to talk to you again once, uh, once things go worse or go better. Well, fingers crossed that they will go better. Thank you, yes. sir. A very concerning conversation with Kusti Sal. He's the permanent secretary of Estonia's Ministry of Defense. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. French President Emmanuel Macron met with Russian President Vladimir Putin for five hours on Monday when Macron reportedly floated several proposals, including Russia removing 30,000 troops in Belarus by the end of the month. Putin said it's too early to say what would happen. U.S. diplomats are reiterating Moscow still has a choice. We've made clear there are two paths available here. Jeff Prescott is deputy to the U.S. ambassador at the U.N. There's the path of conflict and confrontation. There's also a path available for diplomacy. Prescott says the U.S. is being realistic about the situation. We've also gotten ourselves prepared along with our allies for either uh, eventuality. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.